0: And Welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from the Debbie Matthews Nashville Realty Newsroom in Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, January 18th, and we start with local news. After a warmer than typical winter season, snow has fallen onto Murray County with temperatures dropping to single single digits throughout the week. The early week's snowfall accumulation was estimated to be approximately 6 inches, exceeding the average 4.7 inches recorded in 2020, according to the National Weather Service. And while the major downfall has expected to be complete, colder temperatures and further dustings are expected to hit the Middle Tennessee area later this week. In Murray County, public works crews and first responders have been actively at work to clear roads, as well as service motorists who found themselves stranded in areas. There have not been any major accidents thus far, according to Columbia Fire Chief Ty Cobb. We don't expect to see what we've seen on Monday and the day before, but it could be more, Cobb said. I think the county has been busier than we have, a few structure fires. We've had some minor fires, alarm activations from those types of issues. We've worked a bunch of motor vehicle accidents with or without injuries, he said. Chief Cobb added that the call volume has been less due to motorists staying home and off the roads. Most people have listened to the warnings and have just stayed home, Cobb said. It was a holiday too and most things were cancelled. When I was out on the road, there were very few people out, which I think made a huge difference. Cobb also provided a few tips for situations such as this, especially when temperatures are expected to drop into the single digits. You never know when you'll have a power outage, and so make sure your phone is fully charged, that you have a flashlight that's fully charged, Cobb said. Just in case the power goes out, you have light at night. That's very important, and also proper footwear, if you're going to get out. Even as simple as going to check the mail, because we see a lot of slips, trips, and falls with ice, snow, and black ice, he said. Cobb ended by saying citizens can always call 911 dispatch system or the 931-388-2525 non-emergency line for assistance. Also, be sure to wear warm clothing, because if you were to fall and are unable to call or get attention, you want to make sure your body stays warm until help arrives, Cobb said. But I don't think we've had any power outages or anything major. The public should always be prepared for when those situations were to happen. Murray County schools will remain closed for the rest of the week. This includes all Boys and Girls Club locations. All athletic events are canceled as well until next week. For surrounding counties, Giles County, Lawrence, and Lewis will be closed the rest of the week. Marshall and Williamson counties are closed through Thursday. Temperatures are dipping dangerously low across Middle Tennessee over the next few days, with lows getting into the single digits. Murray County Emergency Management shares information regarding two warming stations that are available during this cold snap. The Family Center, located at 921 South Beckett Street in Columbia, will be open from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. and will remain open until January 21st. The People's Table at Methodist Church, located at 222 West 7th Street in Columbia, will be open on Friday... January 19th from 6 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. In a 4-3 vote, the Columbia City Council rejected a proposed rezoning of 30 acres located at 6218 Casey Lane following concerns over traffic and a potential increase in car accidents. Votes to reject the proposal were cast by Davina Harnison, Debbie Wiles, Tony Green, and Kenny Marshall. Votes in favor came from Mayor Chaz Mulder, Vice Mayor Randy McBroom, and Danny Coleman. The vote, which was held during the council's regular meeting on on Thursday, January 11th, followed several public comments by residents of Casey Lane who expressed their concern over the rezoning, which would rezone a parcel located on the east side of Casey Lane from Rural Character District to Neighborhood Large Lot Character District with a concept plan of 61 lots. Susan Schaff, who is an adjacent property owner located on Casey Lane, said she was opposed to the rezone due to its dangerous location, which she said would only increase if changed. As stated previously, this property is located between an active railroad crossing. This area is also very narrow with two lanes, she said. I have lived in Columbia for 60-plus years, and this section of road has always been known as dangerous, and the danger has only increased. Accidents are a direct reflection of the safety problems on this section, she said. Though a traffic study is not allowed unless there is a minimum of 75 units, Director of Development Services Paul Keltner said the Planning Commission requested a study and safety audit following comments from residents. The improvements are pretty minor, which is why we typically don't see traffic improvement studies done until 75-plus units, Keltner said. Normally, you're just not going to see a big increase in that to warrant those improvements. Keltner said there were more minor suggestions made for the safety audit than the traffic study improvement. Should it move forward into the preliminary plan? That would be a part of that package going to Planning Commission, he said. Council Member Coleman said the city could endeavor themselves with lawsuits, I'm sorry, endanger themselves with lawsuits by not following the data. We're aware of the issue. We're aware of the fact that it's not being worsened by this. However, being aware of the issue, we can take steps to address this, he said. Mayor Mulder voted against the motion to deny, stating that the issues of growth are never easy. There are always people on both sides of it, and unfortunately, one side always walks by a little deflated and maybe even somewhat upset, Mulder said, adding that the developer originally requested 120 homes. We said no, that was too much for that space. It has now come back as a CD3 neighborhood character district, and we said we'd like to see it at a CD3L neighborhood large lot character district, which has seemingly continued to go in a direction that you'd want it to go if you're trying to find a happy medium for all persons concerned. He said. A bill which would provide child care to teachers is set to be introduced by Representative Scott Sapicki following the start of the 2024 legislative session, which began last Tuesday, January 9th. House Bill 1709 would authorize local education agencies, or LEAs, and public charter schools to reimburse teachers for child care expenses paid by the teacher each month for the teacher's child to receive services through a child care program. The program would be certified by the Department of Education or a child care agency licensed by the Department of Human Services. The state would also be required to reimburse LEAs and public charter schools a portion of any such monthly reimbursement amount paid by the LEA or public charter school. The child care bill is basically to try to incentivize more teachers to, one, become teachers, and two, when they have a child, to be able to get back in the classroom as quickly as possible to help our students, Sepicki said. What we find right now is because the cost of daycare is so expensive, when teachers have children, they tend to just put their license on hold and they raise their children until they get to be around five or six years old. Then they come back to the classroom. Representative Sipiki said the child care bill would also be an economic boon for counties. They don't have to go out and find another teacher. They can get the ones that they, they have back in the classroom, and teachers who want to teach can go back and earn their living now, he said. The bill's introduction is currently on hold as members await whether it will be added to Governor Bill Lee's school choice bill. Introduced last November, the Education Freedom Scholarship Act of 2024 would establish statewide universal school choice. This legislation aims to provide every Tennessee parent with the opportunity to choose the right education for their child while prioritizing families with the greatest need, according to last year's press release. Representative Sipiki said he expects the bill to be the biggest hurdle during the legislative session. If parents feel like the public schools are not meeting the needs of their child, they should have recourse to it. They should not be stuck in a failing school just because of their zip code, he said. In addition, Representative Kip Kapley has introduced legislation that would require written driver's license exams to be administered in English. Kapley's proposal, House Bill 1730, will apply to applicants for driver's licenses and intermediate driver's licenses. The legislation will prohibit the use of translation dictionaries, electronic devices, and interpreters for assistance with the exam's administration. All Tennesseans want to feel safe on the road, Kapley said in a press statement. The ability to understand signs and warnings is important for the protection of other drivers. Not being able to do so can pose a real danger to public safety. If you have to take a written driver exam in a language other than English in order to pass, it's my view that you shouldn't receive a Tennessee driver's license until you're able to pass the official and legal language of our state. The test will still be available for disabled Tennessee citizens who need modifications, he said. Currently, applicants are able to take the written driver examinations online or in person in English, Spanish, Korean, German, and Japanese, according to the Tennessee Department of Homeland and I'm sorry, the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security. The St. Jude Children's Research Hospital Dream Home Giveaway has chosen the June Lake development in Spring Hill as one of 40 nationwide locations. For $100 per ticket, one can win a brand new home in the development thanks to Builder's Signature Homes. In addition to the home, smaller milestone prizes are awarded as well as tickets are sold. Last year, those prizes included a $5,000 Visa gift card, gas and groceries valued at $10,000, and a trip for two to see Cody Johnson in concert. The 2023 Middle Tennessee home was located in Franklin at an estimated value of $900,000. The four-bedroom, three-bath house in the St. Marlowe community was won by Andrew Hutchison of Clarksville. June Lake is a large mixed-use development planned along Buckner Road just off of new I-65 interchange and is set to have millions of dollars' worth of economic impact on the Spring Hill community. Plans for the site include 3.9 million square feet of commercial office space, 1.3 million square feet of retail and restaurant space, and 400 hotel rooms. High V Grocery Chain has announced it will anchor one of the main shopping centers inside the development. A total of 2,150 multifamily residential units and 775 single-family residential units are planned for the project. Those will be built around several miles of greenway and walking trails across the property. The Spring Hill Board of Mayor and Aldermen initially approved the revised zoning for the first phase of the project, located in the northwest corner of the property, in August of 2020. The 775-acre development is poised to become the gateway to Spring Hill. To be eligible to purchase a ticket and win any prize, you must be at least 18 years old or the age of majority in your jurisdiction of residence, whichever is older as of the date of entry, and a living resident of the United States. For more information on how to enter, visit www.stjude.org forward slash give forward slash dream dash home. All of the proceeds benefit St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Since 2005, the giveaway has garnered more than $25 million in donations. The drawing typically takes place in June of each year. Dr. Julian Blazio, a family medicine provider, has joined Murray Regional Medical Group and will see patients on an appointment basis at Murray Regional Urgent Care in North Columbia. Dr. Blazio received his medical degree from Ross University School of Medicine in Iceland, New Jersey, and completed his residency at California Hospital Medical Center in Los Angeles. Throughout residency, Dr. Blasio created curriculum, taught courses, and provided lessons in clinical medicine for hospital staff, nurses, and fire and police departments. Dr. Blasio's clinical interest consists of early disease detection and preventative care. At Murray Regional Urgent Care in North Columbia, Dr. Blasio will operate on an appointment basis with hours of operation Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. until 4.30 p.m., and Friday, 8 a.m. until 12 p.m., his treatment includes, but is not limited to, adult and geriatric medicine, diabetes, blood pressure and cholesterol management, and physical exams. Dr. Blasio is a primary care provider, seeing patients age five years and above. In addition to Dr. Blasio accepting appointments with patients, O'Reilly Eilerman, RN, and Nicole Grinnell, family nurse practitioner, will continue caring for walk-in patients. For walk-in patients, the hours of operation are Monday through Friday 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday 9 a.m. until 3 p.m. Murray Regional Urgent Care in North Columbia is located at 2478 Nashville Highway, Suite A. For more information, call 931-398-6590 or visit www.murrayregional.com. First Farmers and Merchants Corporation, the holding company for First Farmers and Merchant Bank, announced that Rory A. Mallard has was named at, uh, to the newly created position of Chief Banking Officer. Mallard has served as Chief Commercial Banking Officer at First Farmers since 2021. Rory Mallard joined First Farmers in 2011 as the manager of our Cool Springs branch. He later helped plan and launch the bank's second Cool Springs Financial Center on McEwen Drive stated Brian K. Williams, First Farmers Chairman and CEO. He was promoted to Senior Commercial Banking Officer in 2017 and then promoted to Chief Commercial Banking Officer in 2021. Under his dynamic leadership, we have experienced remarkable growth in our commercial lending and deposit areas. Additionally, he has spearheaded the development of a comprehensive suite of treasury management products that have contributed significantly to the expansion of our commercial accounts, all while upholding our exceptionally high credit standards. As Chief Banking Officer, Rory will be responsible for the strategic direction, growth, delivery, profitability, operational efficiency, and overall performance of the commercial, treasury management, and retail banking business lines. His duties will include executive oversight for meeting budget targets for growth and profitability, assembling, supporting, evaluating, and developing team members, ensuring that our product and service array remains current, competitive, relevant, and profitable, Supporting the risk culture of the bank through monitoring of the loan portfolio, including adherence to credit policy and sound portfolio management practices, and directing the bank's growth strategy, concluded Williams. Prior to joining First Farmers, Mallard was with Fifth Third Bank, where he spent six years managing their Music Row Financial Center. He was inducted into Fifth Third's President's Circle in recognition of his outstanding performance and contributions to the bank. Prior to Fifth Third, Mallard was a senior personal banker at Bank of America. He has worked with the United Way of Williamson County and is a former board member of the Williamson County Better Business Bureau. Mallard is a graduate of Middle Tennessee State University. First Farmers and Merchants Corporation is the holding company for First Farmers and Merchants Bank, a community bank serving the Middle Tennessee area through 22 offices in seven Middle Tennessee counties. As of September 30th, First Farmers reported total assets of approximately $1.9 billion, total shareholders' equity of approximately $99 million, and administered trust assets of $5.4 billion. For more information about First Farmers, visit them on the web at www.myfirstfarmers.com. The winter weather event has significantly impacted local blood donations to organizations like the American Red Cross and Blood Assurance. Blood donations are already affected during the winter months and more so when severe weather rolls in, closing donation centers and canceling blood drives. December and January are always detrimental for community blood centers due to holiday travel, frigid weather and illnesses, said J.B. Gaskin, CEO of Blood Assurance. Since the start of January, approximately 200 Red Cross blood drives across 27 states have been canceled due to winter weather, causing more than 6,000 life-saving blood and platelet donations to go uncollected, the American Red Cross reports. The storm is occurring at a critical time, as the Community Blood Center only has a one-day supply of most blood types on its shelves. Blood Assurance needs around 400 donors a day to adequately supply local hospitals, Blood Assurance says. When it is safe to do so, these organizations are asking people to sign up and donate to help replenish the supply. Find information on American Red Cross blood donation opportunities at www.redcrossblood.org. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Patricia Brown Salee, 88, retired businesswoman and longtime resident of Columbia, died peacefully on January thirteenth. Funeral services for Mrs. Salee will be conducted on Saturday, January twentieth, at 12 p.m. at First United Methodist Church, located at 222 West 7th Street in Columbia. A private burial will be held at Rose Hill Cemetery. The family will meet with friends on Saturday before the service from 10 until 12 at First United Methodist Church. Oaks and Nichols funeral directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Mr. George Allen Clanton, 92, retired employee of Occidental Company and a resident of Columbia, died January 12th at Meadowbrook Nursing Home in Pulaski. The family will visit with friends on Saturday, January 27th at 11 a.m., followed by a memorial service at 1130 at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have cloudy skies with periods of rain or freezing rain today. The high will be near 35 degrees with winds out of the south at 5 to 10 miles per hour. The chance of precipitation, 80%. Tonight, we can expect rain showers with overcast skies overnight. Areas of patchy fog will develop as well. The low will be near 25 degrees with winds out of the west at 10 to 20 miles per hour. The chance of overnight precipitation, 50%. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today.
2: When you bank local, you get local expertise. Hi, this is Felicia Brown with First Farmers. We've supported families, individuals, and businesses of Middle Tennessee for over a century. You are more than an account number. You are our community, and we're committed to helping you thrive. Switch to First Farmers, visit myfirstfarmers.com, or call 1-800-882-8378. Member FDIC.
1: Hi, this is George Rouse with The Way Realty. Please allow me to share a little bit about us. We measure our success by the quality of service you receive. We provide many ways to help you get the most when selling your house, like home staging, landscaping, repairs, professional pictures, and aggressive marketing. Our listings are posted on the MLS, Realtracks.com, Zillow, Realtor.com, and Trulia. Your house will most likely be your biggest investment for your family and for your future retirement. Let us help you fulfill the American dream by buying, building, or selling your next home. And most importantly, let this new year be a great year by putting Jesus first in your life. Jesus Christ changes lives. I know because He changed mine.
0: Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7. This program is sponsored in part by George Vrilis and the great team at The Way Realty. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. The Tennessee Department of Health is reminding consumers not to eat any of the recently recalled Quaker Oats products. The Quaker Oats company has announced an expansion to the December 15th recall to also include additional cereals, bars, and snacks because they have the potential to be contaminated with Salmonella. The recalled products can be found at quakerrecallusa.com. They include Quaker granola bars, Quaker cereal, Cap and Crunch Treat Bars, Cereal Instant Oatmeals, Gamisa Marius Cereal, Gatorade Protein, Peanut Butter Chocolate Bars, Munchies Mix, Munch Mix, and others. The products included in the recall list are sold throughout the 50 United States, Puerto Rico, Guam, and Saipan. Consumers should check their pantries for any of the products listed in the recall and dispose of them. Additionally, consumers with any product no, noted on the recall can contact Quaker Consumer Relations at 1-800-492-9322. Salmonella is an organism which can cause serious infections in young children, frail or elderly people, and others with weakened immune systems. Contact your health provider if you or anyone in your family has consumed the recalled Quaker Oats products and are experiencing symptoms associated with salmonella infection, including fever, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain. The mission of the Tennessee Department of Health is to protect, promote, and improve the health and prosperity of people in Tennessee. Learn more about the Tennessee Department of Health, their services and programs at www.tn.gov forward slash health.
2: Have you ever wondered if your insurance needs can be personalized? This is Hunter Carey. Our team specializes in planning your insurance needs to get you the best possible solution. State Farm is the largest home and auto insurer in the country. I love bringing that to my hometown. Born and raised in Columbia, I'm grateful for our close community ties. We offer help with home, auto, and life insurance for everyone in our community. Our office is located at 909 South Garden Street, across from the fire station. We're also online at HunterCarey.com. That's
0: huntercary.com welcome back to southern middle tennessee today and now our final story for the sixth consecutive year orchids are set to take over the mansion loggia at cheekwood estate and gardens starting february 10th and continuing through march 10th guests can view the annual orchid displays tickets can be purchased at www.cheekwood.org According to a news release, this year's design takes an artistic perspective on the epiphytes' natural growth habit. Epiphytes, such as orchids, are a plant that grows on another plant. They are found on trees or other substrates. This year's showcase will also feature a new display in the Botanic Hall Atrium. The Cheekwood Winter Concert Series will also return later this month with a trio trio performances at Massey Auditorium inside Botanic Hall. All shows will begin at 7 p.m., and tickets can be purchased at www.cheekwood.org. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on Kennedy Broadcasting, WKOM, WKRM Radio. If you ever miss a part or all of this broadcast, you can listen to it anytime or read the transcript online by visiting frontporchradiotn.com. It's always there for you. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe